That's what we're talking about. So of course you're initially going to get offended at me. I'm asking you to do something you absolutely can't do. Then we come back to the grace of God. And I say, you know, if we will do this in Christ, I know you can't do this. But if you walk it through with humility and you draw on the strength of God, you draw on the grace of God, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself able to do something you couldn't do before. Again, this is powerful stuff if you'll walk it through this way. But most people, it's like, no, you're asking too much, too hard, can't do that. And they shut down the grace of God, the help of God, which is the turning point of getting better. Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change. The podcast will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. Well, Dale, we are here for Let It Go. We're ready for the number four, and this one I'm calling Owning Your Unforgiveness. I'm interested to see where this is going then, because I'm, I, I don't own a lot of things. <laughs> and, and I guess that would be one I'd, I uh, wouldn't want to own. So tell me more. It's interesting in the unforgiveness process, most of the time there's unforgiveness because there is a wound. And so if there's a wound, the other person is the violator, the perpetrator. So why would I have any ownership in this piece? And that's just the normal way we think about that. And that ends up being an obstacle to obviously letting it go. Because I've already talked about and we've explored the idea that a key piece in this whole thing is drinking in the grace of God, receiving the grace of God. And again, people limit grace to forgiveness. So why would I need forgiveness? I don't need forgiveness because the other person violated me, so there's no forgiveness there. But grace is not just about forgiveness. Grace is about empowerment. Grace is about drawing strength. When I'm dealing with someone who has wounded me, I need strength. I need the grace of God. I need the empowering of God. So if there's anything there that's going to block me from the grace of God, from drawing strength, I got a problem. Near as I understand grace, uh, it's an ongoing process. It's not just uh, that takes care of it, that's the end of it. Uh, it's, a, it's more of a, I'm practicing uh, the process of giving grace, and in doing that, there's going to be a, another call and another call and another call, and, and the more we acclimate to that process, uh, and procedure, uh, the more we're going to have better relationships with other people because we're, we're putting it on ourselves to continue giving grace. I'm going to take it back to original design. When God created man, and you see this in the Garden of Eden, when God created man, there was supposed to be an intimate, close connection and if you understand the spiritual realm, there's a spiritual transfer. There's a connectedness between the human spirit and God's spirit. And that's the completion of the triangle, if you will, where, where you had Adam and Eve and there's spiritual connection there and they became one flesh. And then there's a connection with God and it's the third part of the triangle. And that's the original design for all of that to happen. 
sin destroyed all of that. Yeah. Our ability to connect, our ability to give strength, draw strength, be interactive in that spiritual zone, that was all shut down. So grace, I think, a great way to visualize grace is original design. We were created to be in fellowship. We were created to give strength, to draw strength, to be in unity. And so there's forgiveness, if you will, that obviously is after sin, but there's forgiveness so that we can restore original design and connection and all of that. And that's the way it's supposed to be. If I understand that God wants to restore me back to that, mm -hmm. then forgiveness is a part of that picture where I'm like, how do I get back to that original design? And the way most people do forgiveness, you violated me, <laughs> so you owe me. Yeah. And there's almost no ability, if that's the way I view sin and unforgiveness and pain and wounds and all of that sort of thing, there's almost no ability to get back to the original design. You're referring to the garden. Uh, one of my favorite parts of Scripture is the terminology that's used there, and they walk together in the evening. Uh, to me, uh, that is the, the intimate portrayal of God's creation of humans. He, he intends to walk with us, and that, that's one of the most reassuring things in my life. And Adam knew it. Because once he sinned, what was he doing? He and Eve, both, they were hiding and they were there. They knew he was coming. They knew that connection was coming. They expected it. It was their normal life. So all of a sudden, I'm trying to make this compensating response for the fact that I've messed up and now I know that I'm naked and now I'm ashamed. And, and so we're hiding out. All of a sudden, what had been precious to them and was really good to them now is like this liability of, oh no, what do I do now? And we're still covering up. And we're still covering <laughs> we're up. We're still in the process of, of covering up the things that we know uh, that don't please God. Uh, isn't that interesting? Now, if you go back to one of the first things that we talked about that was a real blockage to my forgiveness is the way I believe about me. You know, the, Number one is the number one enemy. In other words, my natural tendencies. And then we talked about the idea of God and, and our view of God really breaks that down. Well, then we get here. There's another tendency that is just really hard until I begin to see my part in how this is breaking down and own my part. I'm not going to be able to get better. Now, again, I'm. I've got to emphasize this because I'm not saying that, you know, I'm sinning, so to speak, or I'm doing something wrong because generally if forgiveness needs to happen, the other person has wounded me. So we're not talking a normal kind of repentance here. We're not talking a normal thing, but what we are talking about is me getting back into a place where I can receive the grace of God. If I don't move there, then I won't have the strength to forgive and to walk this process out. So we need to recognize, we need to come to, uh, to an understanding that this is where we're at, and that's what we're talking about, that is the process of realizing that I'm holding on uh, to, to this negativity, and, and that recognition 
will get, allow us to take a step back and, and maybe do something about it in a positive sense. I did an entire video series. There's, there's 10 different segments in that video series called Making Room for God. And the whole thesis behind making room for God is that God comes to those who make room for him. So if I'm harboring unforgiveness, I'm literally choosing to distance my relationship with God because I have this other piece of woundedness. I'm choosing my woundedness over God. That's a pretty staggering thought. And it goes back to the walking with God again because when we realize that we're in unforgiveness, uh, our desire should be that, that I want to walk with God, and that should be that all the time. Uh, the, the terminology in, in Genesis made me think that it was a daily thing, that they walked together. And, and that's, I believe that's God's desire for his relationship with each and every one of us. The title is Owning My unforgiveness, owning my part of the wound, owning that part that is shutting me down. It's shutting me down from walking in the glory of God. And again, this people miss this. People think of, well, I'm a good person. Well, God didn't call you to be a good person. He called you to be a God person. He called you to be a rock. He called you to be a strength to others. He called you to walk in his glory and have all of this stuff going on in you, for you, through you, that's your call. So when I settle for, well, I'm a good person, I'm justified, I haven't done anything wrong, we're falling short of the will of God for our lives. And I dare say each of us has the propensity to overestimate our goodness. <laughs> well, and that would be true. So owning our part of the unforgiveness. It's a huge part because when I begin to see what's happening in me, I'm starting to own the thing that is the most powerful in this forgiveness process. When I start seeing that, I'm making room for God. I'm drawing strength from God. I'm moving myself into a place where forgiveness now becomes possible. Before that happens, we're back to what we talked about very early in, in the series, which is the idea of, if you can forgive, why don't you just do it? It's probably a small thing at that point. It's probably something inconsequential, and you're being a little bit petty if you're hanging on to it. But when I'm dealing with the deep stuff, I can't get there on my own. I can't do that kind of forgiveness on my own. So I've got to start this process by making room for God in a way that all of a sudden I'm going to be able to do supernaturally what I couldn't do before. Now we're talking handing off deep unforgiveness, deep pain. That's one of the big issues we have in belief is uh, what's my part and, and how do I recognize it? Uh, can I recognize it? And, and if I can recognize it, do I just take care of my part, leave the other part to God, or to the other person? If it's their part of the deal, uh, they, they can handle that then. That, that gets tough sometimes. I love that whole language, God's part, our part. Well, obviously, the only thing I have control over is my part. Mm -hmm. 
if I try to demand that you forgive me in order for me to forgive you, then you just became my master. I just became a slave to you. When I begin to understand that the only thing I have power over is me, and I choose to make room for God, and I choose to walk in the grace of God, and I choose to believe that His healing is enough for me, His grace is sufficient for me, I've moved into a completely different place. And instead, what most people do, they stay in victim and justified uh, person who is going to get back at the victim, who's going to somehow try to bring some justice to the situation. Well, you put yourself into slavery if that's the mindset that you have. Really, the only power that we have has been given to us by the Father. And, and uh, we, can, we can act like we have the power to do it, and, and we live lives uh, dependent on, on that, that theory, that, that idea that I'm a powerful person and I'm going to get it done. Well, that goes only so far. Owning your unforgiveness. We've jumped in, got a great start. Let's take a few moments to review and again, Check the links if you want to see the questions, and we will be back. Well, we're talking today about owning our unforgiveness, and we don't like to think about that in woundedness because we prefer to make it about the other person. <laughs> but I've talked a lot about the grace of God and drinking in the grace of God, drinking in the strength of God so that I can live in the glory of God. This is the kind of language that we're doing. If, if you're going to aim high, this is what you have to do. And instead, we play the victim, but if I'm making grace the priority, then I begin to understand something that I will call, let's just start with wasted time. Think about that. How much time, how much energy, how much emotional capital do we put into a, a particular situation? And when we're putting that into a particular situation, time that could have been spent loving people, time that could have been spent getting to know God, drinking in from God, time that could have been used in all of these incredibly positive ways is pretty much burnt. And not only do I burn that time, I'm spending capital that's inside of me. I'm spending energy that's inside of me. People who are bitter and angry, many times the next two days, the next three days, the next week, they'll be completely shut down because of the emotional, spiritual, capital, strength, energy that was burnt up during that period of time. Anything repeated over and over again, uh, unforgiveness or not owning it, uh, either way, uh, becomes an obsession and it becomes a lifestyle. And, and we've, we know people by the dozens that are just obsessed with being mistreated or whatever, or, or the fact that I can't get over what somebody did to me, and it becomes a lifestyle, and they go nowhere. 
what's interesting, I'm sure there are people out there going, are you kidding? Do you understand what happened to me? You're trivializing what happened to me by what you're saying. And on the one hand, I'm going to say, yeah, I get it. All things being fair, all things being equal. How dare I talk about you wasting time? How dare I talk about you spending your energy, et cetera? I get that, that if fairness is your model, if fairness is your mantra, if that's where you're going, I'm messing up big time and shut me up, stop me because I'm just not working according to the way things should work. But let me ask you a question. Would you like to get better or would you like me just to kind of soothe you and make you feel a little bit better for a few seconds so that you can stay in your bondage? You want to get better or would you rather stay bitter? Hmm. Yeah. Because that's really the choice you're making. It's not that you're trivializing the situation. It's that you're saying, okay, deal with it. Uh, admit to yourself that, that you're hanging on to it, and, and then let it go and go on. But the thing that we're saying here is not even deal with it. Yeah. I'm asking you to change your focus and deal with yourself. And that's hard for people to do because it's like, do you not understand how badly that person has wounded me? And you're telling me to look at me? And I'm saying, yes, if you want to get better, the only one you have power over is you. And the only way you're going to have the strength to get better is to drink in the grace of God. So you've got to move yourself into a place where you can drink in the grace of God so that you can get better, because the next step is going to be actually handed off. We're still kind of in step one. Now, it's, it's hard to know where step one ends and, and where step two begins, but we're still kind of in step one, where I'm deciding to let go. I'm getting to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm almost there, but I can't take that step without the grace of God. And to do that, I've got to leave the other person alone. That'll happen in the handed off stage. When we get to the handed off stage, which we'll deal with in, in the next program. But I've got to put that aside, and I've still got to deal with me. And again, I, I can hear people out there wanting to scream at me, wanting to scream at the program <laughs> going, you don't get it. And I'm like, yes, I do. This works. This works with how we work as human beings. This works with our relationship with God. This is where you have to start. Well, the it that I was speaking of that you need to get over is yourself. And, and we project our problems to others because it's handier than having to try to deal with them. But then we get hung up on them. If, if we're trying to get somebody else to deal with our problems, they're not interested in it any more than you're interested in solving their problems situation, but we obsess with it, and, and then it's just a repeat, 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 and that's going nowhere. Another thought is that in the grace of God, I have everything I need for today. Otherwise, what am I doing? I'm looking at you and saying, what you did to me is greater than the grace of God. So when I start owning that in Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that even means what? 
living through wounds. That means dealing with the hurts. And, and I can be held accountable by God to live blameless. When you respond badly to me, I don't have to respond badly back to you because I'm what? I'm in Christ. When I begin to own that kind of a lifestyle, it changes how I think about wounds. And so now I'm owning that. Again, this whole area of owning self, owning that. I shouldn't have to deal with that until after that person apologizes to me. Again, do you want to stay a slave to the other person? Are you happy with your, where you're at? And if you're not, what are you doing to do it, about it? Um, dredging it up isn't going to, isn't, or, or getting hung up on it isn't, isn't going to fix anything. And I don't know. It's just, I can feel the frustration uh, because there have been times in my life where I've, I've gotten offended by something, and I, I feel like, uh, you know, I deserve to be treated better. Uh, but after a while, even I can see <laughs> that, that, that I'm spinning my wheels. I'm going nowhere with this. And, and literally, they don't even know maybe that, that I've been offended. Uh, and, and it's up to me to, to own it, yes. But then to to release it, and, and if I'm not willing to do that, it, it's a dead end. At a practical level, we're talking death to self. And the number one key to death to self is focus. As long as I stay focused on that other person, as long as I stay focused on what that person did to me, that person becomes a kind of God to me, has a tremendous power over me. So when I'm able to shift that focus from the other person back to self, and I'm able to make a substantive action, and that action is owning my own unforgiveness, that puts me back in a driver's seat. That gives me power, and it allows me to shift focus, and it also gives me an action to do. Both of those two things are great parts of death to self. I'm seeing that, okay, God, I'm caught up in woundedness, which in itself is justified. Person did something really bad to me, but it's not justified in the sense that your grace is available, and I need to put your grace above any wound that happens to me, and then I need to be ready to take the appropriate steps, which in this case is let it go so that I can go on, I can hear from God, I can obey God. We'll talk about those more in future steps, but I'm changing focus and I'm putting myself in a place where I can take a step. I can do an action. These are really important things in the forgiveness process. A little direction goes a long way. And the process of, of recognizing my part in it. And, and yeah, something happened and I'm just, I'm, I'm not ready to forgive. But that only goes so far. So it's really important for you to step out of that victim mentality and into the driver's seat. And the way you do that, and it sounds the opposite, there are many things in Christ that will be the opposite of what you would imagine. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. When I do forgiveness according to my instincts, I hold you accountable. 
when I do forgiveness that creates death to self and gets me reconnected with the grace of God, I shift that focus back to me. I own my part, emphasize my part, and my part may be simply that I got my eyes off from God. I let you become the center in a way that you became God, so I'm going to come back here and I'm going to own the fact that I went into victim mentality. I'm going to own the fact that I I spent time and energy and bitterness and unforgiveness, and I stop and I wait and I take that, and, and that, that repentance piece, which most people don't believe should even be there, that repentance piece is one of the most powerful things you can do to move towards, towards So you're holding on to unforgiveness, and you need to ask forgiveness for holding on to the unforgiveness. Yeah. It, it sounds crazy. No, what, no it But it's doesn't. a powerful tool. It, it, it's, you're, you're fessing up to, to what you're doing. You're offended, yes. Uh, you may deserve some sort of apology and may or may not be getting it, yes. But if I obsess on it, when, whenever the focus gets to be other than godly uh, and an and ongoing relationship, then that's actually borderline sinning on my part because I refuse to let it go. And, and so <laughs> it's, it's kind of ironic, but being obsessed with somebody else's stuff, an obsession, the word I keep using, uh, that would be a pretty good indicator that you're in a place you don't want to be. We're pushing counterculture stuff. We're pushing stuff that goes completely against human instincts. But if you've never tried it, I would suggest that you try it. You might find it actually works. Let's take a break, have a few questions, and then we'll continue. And we're back, and, and I want to bring up some situations. I've, I've dealt with some very intense situations where uh, maybe even a father killed a mother or, you know, you have children killed or you have et cetera, where there's like deep, deep levels of woundedness. And what happens when you see that, people begin to question God, and they they, they're like, well, if God is sovereign, if God is a good God, and there's levels of unbelief that raise up in them to where this idea of owning sin, it's like it's almost impossible for me to own my own sin at that point because I'm angry at God and I'm angry at life. And, and so I've got all of these attitudes that are stirred up in me. And, and obviously, we talked about it completely in the, in the last uh, program. You've got all these attitudes. Well, somewhere along the line, if I don't see those things, I'm angry at God. I'm, I'm angry at life. If I don't see those kinds of things and own those kind of things, it's the same song, second verse. I understand it's very, very similar. But how in the world can I get to the place where I'm going to drink in the grace of God and receive the strength I need in order to get better? The word that comes to me is bitterness. Uh, there, I know lots of bitter people, and, and, and uh, some of them have been true believers, 
for much of their life, and then an event or something happens like a, a murder or something like that in the family, or a divorce. The idea of abandonment some one way or another, loss of life, loss of a relationship, and they get better, bitter to the point that uh, there's nothing good. God's not good. He failed, he failed me. Uh, how did he let me get that happen in my life and, and the whole thing? So that bitterness uh, gets to be an all-consuming part of life. And, and, and to me, that's, that's the really sad part of, of this whole idea is that we can, we can, we can have a, an event and be holding on to, to that, that hurt so much that it just dominates everything. When I work with the really deep situations like that, I almost always start with Cain and Abel. And I go back to that idea that there was God right there in the garden, and I believe it's Jesus, and you know, was it the Father, was it Jesus? But I believe it's Jesus right there in the garden saying to Cain, don't do it. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to get that image because you've got to get across to people not everything that happens is the will of God. The will of God is that all men would be saved. We know that not everybody's going to be saved. We not know that not everybody's going to turn back to Christ and do good things. And, and so you can have a sovereign God who has created free will, who because free will is created, there are going to be things that happen that God doesn't want to happen. But the will of God is that we get connected to him. We become a force for good. We become a part of his love, and we're living out that love. And so we're bringing healing. We're bringing reconciliation. We're that positive force. Well, if I'm caught up in unforgiveness, I have unbelief towards God. I'm angry. I stay in my bitterness, and I'm going to burn energy that I shouldn't be burning. And I'm, here's the other part, not able to be that force for good. I'm not able to be that extension of his kingdom. I'm completely missing my calling and my purpose. And when I'm missing my calling and purpose, then life gets empty, life gets vain. Now I'm really frustrated. Not only am I getting hurt, not only am I getting wounded, but there's no meaning to life. There's no purpose to life. Do you hear how badly this thing compounds? And it compounds really partially because of my unbelief towards God, which came out of all of this stuff of woundedness and stuff. I mean, do you hear how tightly this package ties back together. I, I see a big, well, it started out as a little uh, slight avalanche, and pretty soon your life is cascading out of control. And personally, I don't want to live there. Don't want, to, don't want that to be what I put into the life or into other people. I don't want it to be what I offer other people. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure I'd be able to give good advice uh, to someone that was so consumed because they're not listening. All they're doing is listening to, to the inner turmoil that, that's eating them up. And, and I've... It's not that I wouldn't want to help, 
but a person has to be able to at least receive some sort of picture of of what a mess it's in, they're in. I really start with that strong, powerful type of a statement. This is not the will of God. Yeah. But it's not just that what happened to you is not the will of God. Your response right now is not the will of yeah. God because you're actually just causing this thing to be perpetuated. You're becoming a part of the problem and not part of the solution. So can we put the wound away for a little bit? Can we push that off? Because if I can get you to own your part of it and begin to drink in the life of God, then I can get to the point where I can hear from God. I can know what steps I need to take. I can get cleansed. I can be in a better place. Now I can step into purpose. See, all of this is one package, and we make it about, eh, it's just a wound. And then let me take it one step farther. We repent not just for a specific action, but yeah. we repent in this whole idea of character, if you will. I mean, this ends up being really, really important. It wasn't just a wound that went on back and forth between you and I, but it's about the will of God being done. It's about the purpose of God being completed. And part of it, if you wound me and I'm able to forgive, there's a chance that I'm growing a character of God where I'm going to go into the next situation that's even more difficult and I'm able to be life. And when I start owning that bigger character picture, that this isn't just about something that happened between you and I. This is about the will of God. This is about the purpose of God. This is about me growing up in the character of God. When I see differently and I think differently, forgiveness takes on a completely different picture. And the question is, who's God? Who's going to be the God? Am I going to make you God over my life or vice versa? Or are we, are we actually going to have a relationship with the real God and in the process uh, come together on some sort of agreement? God has a will for your life. He has a will for my life. And most of the time, wounds bring to the surface places in me that need to be surrendered to God, need to grow up in Christ so that I can be strong in the midst of ugly and difficult situations. When that will of God is being done, it's incredibly powerful, and it, it brings an authority to our lives to love people that is way beyond if we're over here worried about keeping score and who did what and who said what. Until I'm at the point where people can curse at me and swear at me and they can say evil things about me, I'm not walking in the fullness of his love the way God would want me to walk in that. And again, all of this is hard because I'm taking ownership now at a completely different level, but taking this kind of ownership sets me up to receive the grace of God, moves me into a place where I can forgive. You're no longer my God. Look at all of the outcomes that come out of this kind of ownership. So let me ask you a question. Uh, if, if God, his, his will for my life, uh, he has a will for my life and a will for for your life, are those wills, his will, conflicting? I would have to say that there are times when they could seem to be conflicting. <laughs> seem to be and are, are uh, a world apart as far as 
I believe that the number one will of God for you and for me is that we would be transformed in the image of Christ. Okay. So if there's something going on between you and me, there is something in your character, there's something in my character, there's something in your decisions, in your actions, my decisions, my actions, that is not conforming to the will of God. We're not walking in the fullness of the love of God. When you brought up the idea of conflicting, and I said, seem to be, there are times when God has you on a specific mission. God has me on a specific mission. So the priorities God has for you don't fit with the priorities God has to, for me. And you see that in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and, and uh, Barnabas, they were in huge conflict. And I think the will of God was to create two mission teams so that we're now going out to two places. And he used conflict to do that. There seemed to be a conflict. There seemed to be a problem. It ended up not really being a problem. I believe the will of God was done. So there's times when there's conflict because of what God's spoken to you and what he's spoken to me, and we're not in agreement, et cetera. Sometimes we need to step back, think creatively, hear what God's saying, and all of a sudden things go away. That's interesting. Uh, I'm not sure that, well, I am sure that I'm not in full agreement with that, but that's, that's, that's fine. Um, to me, God's will, I see the individual part of it, uh, but I also see a collective part of it. Uh, and and in, that, in that sense, uh, it makes more sense to me that, that his will is his will and it's for the best. And, and if we get into uh, he's a no respecter of persons is comes to mind uh and and that one always kind of uh, gave me a little willies too because uh, what do you mean is no respect what it means is that he he doesn't play favorites and and so i bel my belief is that we we receive the same uh goodwill of God, and he wants the best for all of us. Now, is that different in every situation? I'm not God, so I have no idea if it's different in every situation. But, but what I do see is that, that if, if I believe in a God of love and, and wants the best for his creation, and I do, then <laughs> then it's about he's not playing favorites. He's not going to give somebody a, a, a different opportunity. Where does most woundedness, unforgiveness come from? It comes from conflicts. It comes from differing missions, differing callings. At least this is what I believe. And so you've got something that you feel like is important. I've got something that I feel like is important those things clash, then you begin to respond in a way that's insecure or controlling or whatever. I respond in a way that's insecure or controlling. You begin to accelerate that. That's where wounds come from. And so you have natural things where God told Abraham to leave his family. 
you've got that separation period. There's pain there. There's woundedness there. You've got the separation between Abraham and Lot and the quarrels that were going on there. There are times when the greater purpose of God requires an action that changes relationships that's painful, and we don't want to do that. And so sometimes, you know, you've got this bigger will of God that's being played out in ways that creates complexity. I don't know what else to say. And so it's easy for us to get offended when actually if we're able to step back and see it, it's like, oh, the will of God is being done here in the basics. There's pain involved, but we don't do pain well, and so then we translate pain to God's a bad God, or you're a bad person, or all kinds of blame and all kinds of things like that. I like to think I, I've got a, a pretty good grip on things, uh, but I'm, I'm simplistic. Uh, and, and, and I think that that's one of the situations that we get into in living is we're trying to we're trying to comprehend uh, something that's so far beyond our comprehension that that uh, it's folly. I mean, it's crazy, and and so when when I <laughs> when I'm trying to build this little framework that that uh, I'm sort of comfortable. I'm I'm not comfortable, but I'm I'm okay with. Uh, and, and and then and then I'm put in a position to consider something differently. Uh, it takes me a while to process the the whole thing. Let's simplify. I'm giving you all kinds of complexities. I'm giving you complexities about Paul and Abraham and et cetera. And what if and maybe and maybe this the will God. Let's just simplify and let's go back to the woundedness forgiveness situation where I actually don't have to know and understand everything God is doing. I don't have to understand the purposes. If I'm actually going to get better and I'm going to simplify, I step back and number one, I believe there's a sovereign God who has a purpose, that he's working it out, and I don't have to understand that purpose in order to trust him. And so I get to the point of trusting a sovereign God. That's, that's really important. And then I get back to understanding I quit trusting God. I began to ask questions. I turned bitter towards God. I turned bitter towards people. I, I became distrusting. And when that's flowing through me, I can't get better. And so I step back. I start paying attention to what's flowing through me and I put away what you've done to me, I put away all of that, and I start looking at me and owning my own stuff. Now we're down to simplicity, and that's a huge, huge step in the forgiveness process that most people never even think about, and many times they're not willing to take. If you confront them in that area, they flat get offended, but you're throwing away the most powerful tool you have towards getting better. Well, that's you've just described how I feel is is that because I believe in in God and and He is my Creator and He desires the best for you, me, and everyone else. Uh, I can I can I can say hey, I'm I'm in the wrong here, 
And, and it, it may take me a while to get there, but I can say, I'm in the wrong here, forgive me. And, and I hope I have enough heart to say to the other person, I've treated you, but even if they've treated me badly to start this whole thing, to say to them, I'm sorry, uh, I've, I've developed an attitude and I apologize for the way I've approached you. But mainly, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking to God say, saying, uh, make me a better man. Again, hear me, and I hope this comes across loud and clear. I'm not doing a comparison here. I'm not saying that I'm wrong in comparison to you, you're wrong in comparison to me. I'm simply bringing it back to I've hardened my heart. I've hardened my heart before mm -hmm. God, which means I'm blocking out the grace of God. And how can I forgive you if I'm blocking out the grace of God? I'm wasting time. I've become bitter, etc. Wasting it's, life. It's not even comparative. It's not. I stopped the comparison. I stopped looking at you. It's not about you. It's about me staying open and soft before God. Amen. We're, we're not doing any comparison here. We're, I, I'm I not looking that. at you. Yeah. I'm not looking at your wound. I'm owning my part of how I could have responded to what you did to me. Absolutely. Get that. That's amen. And, and so if people he, don't hear what I'm saying here, then they'll be angry at me because, well, you're saying that what I did was more significant than what the other... No, 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 no. You didn't do anything wrong. Not accusing you of doing anything wrong. I'm just saying in your response, are you staying open to God and receiving help from God in a way that you can get better? If you're doing that, it is powerful. Amen. I think that's the reaction you're going to get out of a listener if you don't do what we did. Because uh, to me, it, it's, it, it's confusing. I'm holding on to unforgiveness, and, and, and that's why I stumbled around, because it, it just it wasn't clear. But, but I think what, what ended up between us at the end, will shed light on, on that part that is hard to understand. Uh, because I was having trouble following where you were going and, and was finally able to verbalize a little bit of it to the point with the way you answered there at the end. I hope what it does for others, what it did for me, then it kind of cleared it up. Because I struggled all the way through with that, that, that one. But, but in the end, I thought that, that the last part of that will be valuable to anybody that was having trouble following it. The way you responded and the way you heard it as we were going through that is the way most people respond. And that actually does become a blockage to people getting better. It's the instinctive human 
response. And if you go back to our enemy number one, our instinctive reactions, enemy number two, our view of God, this one kind of combines those two together where I actually, I'm taking ownership for something that's not my fault, seriously. And no, it's not your fault in terms of the incident. It's not your fault in terms of what happened between you and the other person. But God still holds you accountable for how you're responding to him in the situation and through, through the situation because he can and will work in your life to help you overcome and break through this thing. But if I'm not doing that, if I'm not doing that with God, I've lost the most important tool that I have. It's where you're taking it. This, this is the hard part of this whole thing. I mean, I, I've worked with a lot of people. And this is so important and so powerful in terms of working with people. And they get to this point of being offended at me when we get to this mm-hmm. point. It just, it just, it's the normal human response. And when people trust me enough to help them walk through this, it's unbelievably transformative. If they don't trust me enough, then they get offended at me instead, and they go deeper and deeper and deeper into their mess, and it's just, it's just ugly. And by comparison, what typically happens when people are doing, they come along at a human level, and they try to soothe the person. They try to make the person feel better about, well, your actions were good, or etc. That doesn't make room for God and for the grace of God the way this ownership piece does. And it's not owning what's not you. It's not owning that you re- even necessarily even responded badly to the person. It's owning my current situation with God in a way that I can draw strength from God so that I can deal with a bad situation. So owning unforgiveness is the process of going wherever that offense has taken me. The, the idea is that, is that instead of making it an issue with the person that's offended me, they have to decide whether they're going to do something about whatever offended me. But my part in that is how I receive it, where I go with it. And, and, and I don't want to major in, in unforgiveness but I don't want to obsess to the point where my unforgiveness becomes my issue. My premise, my starting point, my solid foundation is that the grace of God is enough for me and for me to live. Because I believe that, I, in essence, don't give you the power to be my Mm -hmm. king and to be my Lord. Because I believe that, now I have to own my responses. If I don't believe that, then there's no reason for me to own my responses because I am justified because of the terrible thing you did to me. But if you believe the Word of God and you believe what God says about His grace is sufficient, then I have to own my response to the situation, 
now I have something to repent before God because, wow, my response didn't look to you. My response didn't try to drink in your grace. And again, there's a human process there. So I'm not talking immediate, powerful God response of, oh, life is... No, there might be grieving in this whole process. There might be all kinds of steps in the process. So I'm not, I'm not asking people to be superhuman and not to have feelings, but I believe the grace of God is sufficient. And because I believe that, when I look back and go, wow, I kind of pushed God away. I became angry. I became bitter. I didn't grieve this. Later on, we'll talk about just handing off pain and the process of handing off pain. I didn't grieve this the way God wanted me to grieve this. It's not about me instantly being super spiritual person that's better. It's about me walking it out the way God wants me to walk it out. Do your part. Do your part. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, an, it's such an interesting dynamic because uh, we tend to think too highly of ourselves, too whatever about others, and, and then, oh yeah, and God. And when, when we're offended, we don't take into account that our being offended can turn offensive to someone. As you were listening to me, I could hear a lot of how people respond to me at times. You're thinking that I'm asking for this superhuman, super spiritual response. I'm not. That's, that's, that's not even in my mindset. In uh, my mindset is just taking this thing step by step and walking it through the way God has called us to walk it through. And part of that is taking account of my own life and recognizing, God, apart from you, I can do nothing. I absolutely need your grace. I can't walk absolutely. this out the way you want me to walk it out unless you're right here helping me. See, listen to the humility of that that's all the way through. And when we bathe our unforgiveness with humility, it, again, it invites the presence of God. It invites the grace of God, and it gives us the power to break out of that stronghold. I can't. Uh, we're... We're trained not to think that way. Uh, I can't do this. I can't. I can remember any number of things as a child growing up. What do you mean you can't do that? And and but the reality is uh, there there are things that only God can do. And and when I was talking earlier about I'm simple, uh, that's that's my aim is to be simple in that understanding that there are things that only God can do and there, there's things that I can do. And he's not going to do the things that he's enabled me to do for me, uh, but he will give me that supernatural uh, side uh, for things that I can't do. And recognizing one from the other is really... Uh, big stuff. That's why it's so important to remember we're not talking about simple forgiveness here. We're not talking about the small stuff. We're talking about impossible stuff. So here I am asking you to do something I know you 
absolutely can't do. I mean, that's the whole premise. I mean, that's where we're at. That's what we're talking about. So, of course, you're initially going to get offended at me. I'm asking you to do something you absolutely can't do. But then we come back to the grace of God. And I say, you know, if we will do this in Christ, I know you can't do this. But if you walk it through with humility and you draw on the strength of God, you draw on the grace of God, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself able to do something you couldn't do before. Again, this is powerful stuff if you'll walk it through this way. But most people, it's like, no, you're asking too much, too hard, can't do that. And they shut down the grace of God, the help of God, which is the turning point of getting better. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that includes forgiving. Yeah. That includes humbling myself. That includes the grieving process. Well, of all forgiving, uh, who's forgiven more than God? Mm, amen. Amen, amen. And he continues to love no matter how we treat him. Amen. And when we step into that image, that's powerful. These are the responses people have. And it's hard for them to hear what I've said, especially in this program. It's hard for them to hear it without taking an offense and taking it into directions that it shouldn't go. But it's the most powerful tool you will have towards getting better. Hope you can get a hold of it. And I hope you'll join us next time as we continue this search to get to that point of freedom and life in Christ Jesus. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.